And good morning, Q's Nation. Welcome to the Upstate Orange Podcast on FingerLakes1.tv and YouTube. I'm Jim Sinecro. We'll be back live inside the FingerLakes1.com studios in downtown Seneca Falls, New York. It's Sunday morning, February 28th, 2016. And we'll be talking about Syracuse's 75-66 win over NC State on Senior Day in the Dome. We'll reevaluate our NCAA resume and, as usual, some great orange basketball trivia with the professor. The Upstate Orange Podcast is brought to you by Generations Bank with locations in Auburn, Farmington, Geneva, Phelps, Seneca Falls, Union Springs, and Waterloo. Be sure to check out their mobile banking app or visit them online at mygenbank.com. So, uh, Brad, welcome uh, back to the show. How you doing this morning? I'm great, Jim. Happy Sunday morning. We edge a little closer to March here, and um, a little later in the show, I just want to gauge our excitement level um, as a general theme this year. I love following Syracuse. I just have been struggling to regain that excitement for college basketball that I had, you know, it was really just four or five years ago still that I you know, carried through my childhood. I don't know if I'm getting older or if the ACC is wearing on me, but um, it's just not uh, a little less ex- anticipation, I guess. But we'll talk about that a little later. Right now, we got to get right into it. And Syracuse plays NC State in the Dome, um, sitting at 18 wins, needing to beat NC State to win, to get to 19 and edge closer to 20, which I think is the magic number for the NCAA tournament for us. And, um, and yeah, we win the game. You know, we we won the game uh, by nine, and but we really need a heroic performance from Benajay and NC State. Just not a good team. And you know, I don't. How do you where, how do you how do you look at this win for Syracuse? It, it, it was a game they needed to win. I wouldn't say it was a must win, but it was a game that would go very squarely into the bad loss column if they did lose it. Home home game against the you know legitimate bottom of the ACC, a team that's not even 500 anymore. Um, it was a game that, that they really, in order to get to that magical 20 win, if they had lost this one, it would have put 20 wins in some kind of jeopardy. So good that they got it in the in the win column. You know, there's definitely a few good things you can take away from the game. A few questionable things yet again, and unfortunately, that's what you get with this team. Uh, two steps forward, one step back. I think in a lot of cases, and then um, you know, we'll talk about both, I guess. But the uh, um, you know, the senior day, and it's a it, senior day is a bit of a you know, it's a day for celebration. I think as much as anything, and and we were certainly afforded that. Um, you know, it's nice to it's nice that Syracuse is a program that actually has seniors contributing seniors that we yeah. can honor and, and and watch go out with that kind of acclaim rather than, you know, the one and done types, which would be nice to have some of those guys if they're that kind of talented, but it's nice having seniors too to watch grow and develop and, you know, play through and honor and hold that jersey above their head. Well, let's talk about the seniors. Uh Benajay and Cooney and Christian White. I guess we'll probably focus on Benajay and Cooney, but uh, Benajay really rising to the occasion on his last day in the Dome, and Cooney one for eight from three, and just really an awful, awful game. And it's it's just interesting um, that here on his senior day, we're still frustrated 
with Cooney. And the only thing to me that's going to make me turn on Cooney and remember him is a orange grate. You know, it's the, the total stats and numbers when you add them all up, all the three-pointers and, and points and minutes played and all that will make you think, you know, Trevor Cooney maybe belongs in the, you know, a top 30 type of, of all-time orange player. But uh, unless he does something to carry us through March, you know, I, I'm going to say see you later, Trevor, you know, on to the next. I'm not going to really miss him too much. I don't know. If I'm being, uh, you know, I don't know if I'm going to kick myself next year when wh- whoever's in his place is, and uh, you know, I, w- I definitely won't kick myself next year. I, I'm I'm done with him. I don't I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I don't know. He's a he's a five year Syracuse guy. We've we've seen him. <laughs> it seems like he's been here forever. You tip your cap to the you tip your cap to the guy. He 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 yeah. bleeds orange. He you know leaves it all on the floor every single game. He no, I don't think there's anybody that wants to win more than that guy, and that's you, you have to give him that kind of credit. And the good is great with him, and the bad is just head scratchingly bad for a fifth year senior. And unfortunately, that was the guy we saw yesterday. Uh, you know, one for eight from the field. Actually, didn't make it three. Oh yeah, zero oh for six, six from, three. from three. One for eight from the field. Um, and we'll we'll talk a little bit about that later part of the trivia segment but the uh um you know it, it wasn't even the shooting which we've in some ways come to expect that <laughs> i told you earlier in the season i'm surprised when he makes it more so than than pleased and you know it's funny to watch when when he gets it on a fast break and he just goes straight for the corner on every fast break he doesn't attack the basket he doesn't try and get up get to the block to get a layup he just goes straight to the corner yep. so he can get a kick out for three and the crowd there's such an anticipation when he launches a three, you can hear it. You can hear the crowd sort of, you know, rumble a little bit. Everybody's thinking, everybody's hoping. And I'm just sitting back on my couch, like, there's no way it's going in. Yeah. And maybe if it does, I'm surprised. But it seems like there's, there's still that, this expectation that he's just this tremendous shooter. The announcers make that claim. And it's everybody, yeah. everybody has this reputation, or everybody thinks that he has this reputation of a great shooter. And I guess if you know the team well enough, you know that he's as streaky as they get. And boy, if he's on a bad streak, it's not happening for him. I mean, yesterday he hit the side of the backboard on one. Yeah, you know, he obviously didn't make any. But it's not only the threes; it's the, it, you know, he fouls a three-point shooter. I mean, it's, oh my God, senior, he fouls a three-point yeah. shooter. You know, he drives drives in the lane and he just chucks it out of bounds without mm. even without even knowing somebody's there. Like it's just things that, that things that freshmen do, things that high school kids do, things that my sixth graders do. Like he's a fifth-year senior; he's been playing college basketball for five years and he still does these things. It's crazy to me. Yeah, and. Uh... Another stat that I'd point out from yesterday is zero assists, you know. I mean, here's a, a guard who's working hard out there, fifth-year senior, not getting anybody else involved. You know, zero assists. And you're right, you're right. I was surprised yesterday, zero turn or zero, zero uh, steals for him. You know, one of the top steal guys. Yeah. I don't know. I think he's, 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 such, a, he's such an emotional guy. I think when you you see him on the floor, he's you know the there's the the, the internet meme that goes around of the Cooney face, and <laughs> right. he's just he's he, he's as emotionally invested in that game as anybody, and you can just see it. And on a senior day, you wonder if it just affects guys differently. You see how it affected Benajay, man. He had best game he might have had in the three years he's been here. Yeah. And then you see Cooney, who might have had his worst game in three years. But and isn't that this? To it and some guys, it, 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 you know, they wither under it, maybe. But and, isn't uh, it the same know, way, Brad? Polar opposite to that. Is the same way come NCAA tournament. 
Some guys rise to it. Some guys wither. I don't have confidence that Cooney's going to rise to it. I think, you know, he's going to be a detriment. You know, he's going to be, we're going to be sitting here talking about a first or second round loss. And we're going to look at the box score and it's going to be like this. 0 for 6 from 3. Or better or worse in the NCAA tournament. Especially if we dig a deficit, it'll probably be something like 2 for 10, you know, um, from 3. And... Well, you remember the last time this team made the tournament. They lost that first-round game to Dayton. It was a 6-11 game, I think it was. And yeah. They had no business losing to Dayton. Right. And, uh, and it was that kind of – I don't think they scored 50 points in that game. And it was it was that. I mean, Cooney was a sophomore in that team, and so was Ben Jay. But, yeah, it was that kind of shooting performance. And nobody rose to the occasion in that game at all. And I think what's what's unfortunate with Cooney and, and sort of in, in the big picture, we've always – and they even mentioned it in the broadcast yesterday that fairly or unfairly he's always been compared to Jerry McNamara. And but you think about Jerry McNamara in the context of a guy that absolutely rose to the occasion in big spots. Right. You know, you think of the national championship game and you know, seventeen points and you know, six threes in the or eighteen you know, six threes in the first half. Big you East think of forty three at against BYU in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. You think of the Big East tournament shots after shots after shots to basically carry his team to a Big East championship. Do you could you ever get that from Trevor Cooney, you think? Um, I, there was a time when I was waiting and thinking and that we'll just wait and he'll he'll mature and it'll get better and it'll, but again senior day his last game in the dome 0 for six from three one for eight zero assists three rebounds two turnovers five points you know and you contrast that with another guy who a couple of years ago Benajay was not uh, looked upon as we we always knew he was a McDonald's All American but. We had questions whether he would ever, you know, turn into the type of senior that would be an actual All-American candidate in college, not just a prospect. And, you know, you look at his line, 11 of 18 shooting, 8 for 13 from 3. And this guy wasn't supposed to be a three-point shooter like Cooney was, you know. Cooney was supposed to be the best shooter that ever played at Syracuse, some people were saying. Well, he went 0 for 6. Benajay went 8 for 13, 34 points, 6 assists on top of the 34 points. I mean, there's such a huge disparity between Benajay and Cooney. And you go back to that sophomore campaign that you were talking about, and at the time they were both kind of uh, much maligned as, you know, but we said they're younger, they'll get better. You know, when, and now in their senior year, I don't think Cooney has really gotten any better at all, where Benajay's made huge leaps. One of the guys is going to go for 34 points and eight for 13 from three, six assists. And one of the guys is going to one of the guys is going to go for five points and and zero assists and um, you know a couple turnovers. I, you'd be hard pressed to say it would be Cooney that would go for five points and Benajay for 34. I think at that point, based on the claim that each of them had at that time. Yeah, I agree with that 100. percent I would have probably guessed it to be Cooney. Right. And, um, you know, one bright side, I think, is that with 32 points or 32 minutes here for Cooney, at least Beheim might be starting to recognize a little bit um, that this may never happen. And he can probably see it coming. And, and you know, at least he didn't have him in there for 39, 40 minutes. He he pulled him off a little bit, but um, which is really odd, especially. Right. He had him off for a long stretch at the end of the first half. He, yeah. he had done. I think it was when he hit the side of the backboard and then made a dumb pass in the next possession. He, he pulled him off for four or five minutes, which I was surprised it was that long. And, yeah. and at that time, he was also, um, you know, put put Roberson. 
down on his list, and we'll talk more about that, I'm sure, too. But, yeah. um, you know, for a long stretch, he had Frank Howard and, and Lydon in there with, with Richardson and Coleman and, and Benajay, which is a lineup we haven't seen a whole lot of, but those five. So one thing I wanted to ask before we get off the senior day topic is, um, and we'll just forget about Trevor Cooney right now, where does Michael Benajay, um knowing that, there's still some of his story to be written here as we get closer to the postseason, hopefully the NCAA tournament. We'll also talk about that coming up. But, you know, where is Benajay poised to be remembered or ranked, let's say ranked, in terms of all-time great Orange players? And maybe you could pull some names from the past that he would be kind of equivalent to. Like, is it a, you know, if he takes them to the Final Four, is it a John Wallace type of career um or is it more of a you know dave johnson type of career you know what where do you where do you put him i think the dave johnson comparison is a pretty good one um uh, he's you know he was a he's a three-year guy so take that into account he's he's only played in one ncaa tournament game and it was a loss to dayton Mm -hmm. so take that into account for now he's he's only played in one one conference tournament game and that was a first round loss yeah uh you know so there's the that's where we really separate the the really good syracuse orange players from the greats the absolute greats and until he can do that i don't think we're going to see him in the greats um you know in the in the pantheon really if you will yeah i mean i think he's a top 40 guy probably if you just base it on you know performance and and what he's contributed to the to, to the program stats yeah uh, you know he's 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 the bright spot on this team and no doubt. and last year you know he was I, I I think it's a weird a weird thing because he he number one he he wasn't a recruit he came in as a transfer we didn't know what to expect really other than you know he came from Duke so he must be pretty good right I mean that's kind of the, the, the mindset but yeah we stole one from and Duke as a, as a as a swing man as a three probably. And then they converted, you know, last year was a transition year kind of for him to, to transition into playing a little bit more point, although Caleb Joseph spent a lot of time at the point. Um, and this year he was exclusively the point. So it, you, didn't get a, you didn't get a feel for what this guy maybe could be over the course of four years because it was almost always an evolution for him. Sure. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, if you were to take just, like, single season, this has got to be up there with – one of the best single seasons, um, regular seasons, maybe that anybody's ever had in a Syracuse uniform. Maybe a top ten type of type of deal. Um, yeah, but based on what's around him and what they've what they've got available to them, and you don't really have a big guy to presence to kind of take the pressure off the off the backcourt. And so, if I'm a coach against Syracuse, uh, you know, if I I, I throw the kitchen sink at, at Michael Benajay and force you know Richardson and Cooney to beat me. Yeah, yeah. And, and and I think a lot of teams are doing that. And and you know it's, there's been a couple of games where Benajay's you know had 10, 12, 14 points and you know didn't play very well, but still he's 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 the go-to guy. Whether you know because in a lot of cases there are no other options. Yeah, and and you know similar to last year's team where Raquel Christmas had an all-time season for Syracuse uh, basically because we didn't have many other options um, but unlike Christmas Benny Jay's going to have a chance to add uh, some postseason um, a postseason run potentially to his single season uh, resume here so 
But, you know, yeah, Ben and Jay is really a, a great success story. He obviously was troubled when he came from Duke. Um, it took him a while to get acclimated. And, you know, he's going to find himself with an opportunity to play in the NBA. Um, so, you know, for that, I'd tip my cap to Michael Benajay. He really has improved, and and, uh, and and yesterday just carried the team on his back. So. You know, as, as I think about it, one, one decent comparison might be Rick Jackson. Rick Jackson was, yeah. a, was a role player, solid player, you know, didn't get much run as a freshman, played a bit more as a, you know, he was sort of in scoop shadow and it came in together. And and as a senior, he was he was the rock. I mean, he was the guy that led that team as a senior, and and it gave him a real good opportunity to play professionally, and still does. And I think Benajay is sort of on that path. I mean, two very different players, obviously, but um, you know that's the kind of career progression that we've seen from him. A guy that you know took the leap. I, we've always talked about guys that that we kind of wait for, and hopefully Roberson, you know, we waited a long time for him to make that same leap, but Ben Jay definitely did. Yeah. You know, he, this was not the guy we saw last year, and certainly not two years ago. He made a leap this year, which is you know, exactly what this team needed to even be relevant, let alone great. And neither one of these guys could bring 30000 in for senior day. Sometimes, some t- traditionally, when we have great seniors that will get the push above 30000 in the Dome, there's 27000 and change there yesterday. Um, a pretty good crowd, no doubt, for uh, for Senior Day. But I think that's also kind of indicative of how Q's Nation looks at these current seniors. It's almost like they're hired hands and maybe not true orange greats. Yeah, it's possible. I'm, I'm surprised <clears throat> that you know it, it, it sort of speaks to the, to the I don't know, love hate might be a strong strong term, but of of Trevor Cooney, you know, he, yeah. he's possibly not as beloved as some of the guys that we, you know, certainly Jerry McNamara, but he would drive, you know, he, he would get, you know, hundreds and hundreds from Scranton. Yeah. But everybody loves Jerry McNamara. And, um, it, it, it's disappointing that he couldn't get 30,000. I think if, if they had played a better team in the in senior day, you'd have seen 30,000. I think it was an unfortunate circumstance that, you know, it's a... Carmelo senior, to, senior to, day. NC State team that came in on senior day. And the best games that they had were either weeknight games or when students were gone. So there was no 30,000 potential, unfortunately. Yeah. I just remember when I said it was Carmelo's senior day. Actually, Carmelo never had a senior day, obviously. But um, I remember them closing out the season with Rutgers. It might have been the 2003 season or it might have been um, maybe it was Jerry McNamara's last game in his senior year. But I remember them packing in 32,000 for Rutgers. Uh, yep. But. So, anyways, yeah, we're running a little bit behind here. It's just um, interesting when we get towards the end of the season, all these things like, uh, you know, considering what life's going to be like without guys like Benajay and Cooney and kind of trying to see, you know, where their careers rank. But it obviously still is going to come down to um, what happens in the next uh, month, you know, is how, how we'll really how we'll remember Benajay. Because if he does exit, early from the NCAA tournament or, you know, God forbid they lay an egg the next three weeks and don't even get into the tournament, um, you know, he'll just be gone off into the other ether, you know. Um, but if he does get us, you know, even to, you know, an Elite Eight, all of a sudden I think, you know, we just he just rises up there as we'll say, oh, remember that year Benajay carried us to the Elite Eight. So, <clears throat> so we'll see. Time will tell. Time will tell. Now, something that's really concerning about this team is that Tyler Roberson, who seemed to be coming into his own, has now regressed to the point where Bayheim's going to play him for 14 minutes. Um, 14 minutes for, Ty- for Tyler Roberson yesterday. What the heck? He's in, he's definitely in the doghouse, and it's uh, not a great time of year 
for Beheim to be having to, you know, deal with a issue like this, I guess, to the point where he's going to pull out a guy like Tyler Roberson for 14 minutes and he's going to play Coleman 35 minutes, which we didn't even know if he physically could do that. So that's a good sign that Coleman can log 35 minutes, um, even though he only pulled down seven rebounds in those 35 minutes. And uh, Tyler lied in 32 minutes. Of course, we're we're comfortable with that, but we, this team's not going to go to the Elite Eight or the Sweet 16 or the Final Four without Tyler Roberson contributing the way he did against Duke and, and some of the other teams, you know, midseason. What's going on with Roberson? I don't know. Same thing that's going on with it for three years, really. Yeah. It's, it, it, it fits and starts, really. It's all it's ever really been with him. And, you know, part of me thinks that it's a confidence thing that he sort of gets in the doghouse and maybe he takes it too personally and it gets him down. But part of it, too, might just be matchups, really. You know, Duke Duke has, at least when, when Syracuse played him, they, don't have, they didn't have much of any interior presence. You know, they've got a Plumlee in there somewhere. But, uh, you know, the Roberson could, could really find his way against a team like that. But NC State, they're – they're not a great team, but they've got size, and you know Anya and Abu, and those guys are are good, solid guys, and they're rebounders. They're not really as much scorers. They're rebounders, and Roberson had a more difficult time in that game. And uh, you know you go back to the pit game, and those guys are uh, are beasts on the glass, and and Roberson has a difficult time against that. I think he's just he's just, he's long and lean, and and in a game where you, you it's not against a really strong beefy front line, he can probably find his way a little bit more than a game where it's they're bigger stronger uh you know more more physical big men i think that he struggles in that style to be part of that but you know i don't i don't think i don't think band does him any favors by just beating him down especially publicly and that's seems to be his his mo i don't know if that's if that's the right answer but like he said in you know press conference last week we have no other options here he's got to play i don't think you want to play tyler Lydon 40 minutes and sit Roberson like you're doing with Caleb Joseph. I don't think you got that luxury. Yeah, and um, we're going to play some teams, obviously with big front lines, that we're going to have to get by in the tournament. And we're going to need 34 points for Michael Benajay to beat him. We know we're going to need heroic performances out of our guards. You know, Maybe one game Cooney gets hot and hits six or seven threes, and maybe the next game... Um, Richardson does it, and Benny J carries us for the rest. But um, pretty most teams that will play in the NCAA tournament will have stronger front lines than, than us, and most teams that will play in the ACC tournament probably. Um, and it seems like it's a lot of those lower half of the ACC teams too that maybe give us bigger matchup fits than than a Duke does, or um, or you know even a Virginia maybe. Um, so. Yeah, because they're teams that aren't that, that aren't just aren't blessed with with the elite athletes, yeah. and then so they end up having to go with a style that's a bit more you know oriented around the slower pace and big men, and and you know they don't they don't move as well. And I don't think Syracuse plays very effectively against teams like that. Florida State that was probably the best game this team played, right. other than maybe the Duke game, and. They are a they they are a faster paced team that wants to get out and run, and that was a good a, a good because Syracuse's zone slows that up, mm-hmm. and teams don't know how to figure it out. But as far as rebounding goes against a slower team like that, this this team struggles, and that's where Roberson gets his gets his you know 
his success is based on rebounding and getting putbacks and you know being able to slash and against a slower paced team and one that's more oriented on defense I don't think he's got that option anymore sure well we're going to rely on some freshmen heading into this uh, postseason and I personally think they're ready I think Richardson is really um, can't be considered a freshman anymore and I feel the same way against Leiden while physically Leiden I think will hopefully get a lot stronger for next year I think we can throw them in in any situation, both those guys, and, and they're going to be productive. And, and, and what Leiden lacks in strength, he does pretty well in positioning and in timing um, in terms of you know getting rebounds. And Although he did only have five rebounds yesterday in 32 minutes, but uh, you know on 5 of 11 shooting, and, and he was also cold from three, which is odd, one for seven. He's usually, when he shoots it, he shoots it a pretty good clip. But um, And then Richardson... Um, yesterday, 37 minutes, 5 of 13 shooting, 13 points, 7 assists though, 6 rebounds. I mean, I think these guys are ready. I don't look at them as freshmen anymore on this team that we need to be concerned about uh, um, if they can handle themselves under the spotlight of uh, CBS Sports and NCAA, you know, March Madness. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, definitely. I, I, I was real pleased with Richardson. I don't, that wasn't his best game last yesterday by any stretch. But just a solid game. I mean, 13 points, the seven assists, uh, I was very pleasantly surprised by that. And he was a guy, if you had told me at the beginning of the season that there would be a game where, uh, a, a relatively close ACC game where Malachi Richardson had 13 points and seven assists, and, you know, three for six mm-hmm. from three, I would have uh, called you a liar. Because, you know, he struck me as just a three-point chucker from, from the get-go. And he's really evolved his game over the course of the last two months. To the point where he, you know, he sort of takes a leadership role in a sense. I mean, it, you know, everybody sort of takes a backseat to Benajay in that, but you know, he really has stepped up <laughs> at, un, fairly or unfairly far, you know, more than Trevor Cooney has. I mean, you know, if, if you've got a freshman that's you know thirteen points, seven assists, three for six from three, and you've got a fifth-year senior that's five points, zero assists, zero for six from three. Mm-hmm. Again, <laughs> if you had said that at, at, at the beginning of the season, who who would have had those lines? There's no way you would have said Richardson and Cooney in the way they do. So it's. It, He's a guy that we absolutely can count on, I think. And it, you know, I, th- I think his decision-making is significantly better than it was at the beginning of the season. He's adapted to the pace of college basketball, I think, better maybe than we thought he could. Uh, and, 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 I mean, he's, he's a guy that I, I think this team needs production from him to be able to, to go far in postseason. And, and I, I don't have any, any reservations that he can do that. Ty Lydon, same thing. Uh, I was a little bit surprised he took as many threes as he did. I think he was one for seven from three. It seemed like he was trying to force it a little bit. Yeah, he was taking some, uh, you know, some some shots off the dribble and and you know guys in his face, and he can get that shot off because he's so tall. He's you know six eight, and, and usually he's got a smaller guy when he extends out beyond the beyond the line, so he can get the shot off. But it just seemed like he was he was relying on the three too much. I mean, he was one for seven from three, five for eleven from. the from the field, so it's, you know he's four for four from two. If he's getting inside, he can get he can get to the rim, and uh, he's 100 percent shooting inside the arc. I think he relied on the three a little bit too much, and so I'd like to see him get inside a bit more. But we all know he can shoot it, and so it's just a matter of I think him picking his spots and becoming more efficient behind the arc. But you know, the the, 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 the rebounds that comes and goes with him. I think in the same way with him with with Roberson, they're just they, they struggle a little bit against a you know a strong you know, good sized front line. But like you said, I, I, I love his timing. Mm-hmm. I love his intensity. You know, he 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 never takes a playoff on defense or you know on the glass. And so I think he's he's a guy we're absolutely counting on. These guys, 
they're freshmen by name only. They they will be go to uh, guys in the postseason, guys that this team really needs to count on. No um, chance of these and, guys and, going and, pro, and right? It affords this team to have a bad game by Trevor Cooney and and still <clears> be able to beat a, a you know loaded average team like NC State. I mean, is there any? chance right now that either of these guys bolt after the first year i mean neither one would be a lottery pick but that hasn't stopped some guys in the past um or i i wouldn't i don't think so i think they'll be back but you know sometimes you get surprised there when the time to declare comes and you know all of a sudden you hear oh malachi richardson's entering his name in the draft um hopefully not right yeah hopefully not i mean part of it we that we you and I and the average fan will never appreciate is what sort of demands they have on their on their life. You know, yeah. <laughs> hey, I, I can't afford to be in college anymore. I got a family to support. I got to you know make money. If it's not in the, in the NBA, it's in Europe or in the you know D League or something. So that's a part we'll never really truly understand. But you know, from a developmental perspective, you know, I, the, neither anywhere close to NBA ready right now. Yeah. I can't imagine anybody's convincing them otherwise. But yeah. um, <clears throat> it'd be great to see them up here for two more years. Um, you know, I think Richardson is in a tougher, is in a tougher spot because that's, you know, the position he plays. That's just that, you know, there's the, in the NBA, it's a dime a dozen, at, you know, six five swingman, you know, three man that he would have to sort of find a role in the NBA at that at that size and skill level. Um, he benefit from at least another year, if not two. You know, or but three. See him maybe like make a leap in the second year. Fine, you know, more power to you if, if you take that game to the pro level. Sure. Leiden just has to get stronger. He's got the body. I think he can support it. They were saying on the broadcast yesterday that he can um, that a lot of guys sort of make that leap strength-wise from between freshman and sophomore year. They understand what it takes to be able to compete mm-hmm. in you know 30 plus minutes against strong front lines and high-level college basketball. I expect that from Leiden. I, I'd like to think he recognizes that he's probably strength-wise not there, and he can use at least a year or two. So I think I'd, I'd be shocked if either guy made that choice and. and you know, it's, it's a nice problem to have because I think we've always been worried about that the last several years, and for good reason. We've had some guys go early that may or, not, may or may not have been the right decision in mm-hmm. hindsight. So here we go. We've been doing this every week for the past three, four weeks, and we got to take a look at our NCAA resume check. Last week we took a step back with two losses at Louisville and home against Pittsburgh, but uh, this one big win, although it's NC State at home, it gets us to 19, and I think we both agreed that if we get to 20, one way or another, um, even if we lose our last two games and win in the ACC tournament or win one of the next two and lose in the ACC, if we can get to 20, we probably don't have to worry. And um, But, boy, don't we better get there before the ACC tournament because anything can happen at that point. If we could lose three straight and end the season with 19 wins, it would be that would be nineteen and thirteen, I believe, if we lose our next three games. That's squarely on the bubble and maybe on the worst side. But and it's not going to be easy because we go at North Carolina Monday night, and then it's going to if let's just say we lose that game, which uh, you know odds makers would agree. Now it's Florida State on the road, a team that we match up well against. Um, but that game becomes gigantic because if we lose to that. Now, all of a sudden, we're not even in the top half of the seed seeding in the ACC tournament. We're playing a team that probably finished ahead of us in the standings in the ACC tournament. So, man, that Florida State game could be gigantic. Ideally, we beat NC, our UNC at home, you know, at in the Dean Dome, and all questions are off. If we win that game, we're in, like, Flint and probably jumping up a seed. 
but can you anticipate that scenario where we lose Monday night against North Carolina, then all of a sudden we go down to Duke or Florida State, and we lose that game? I mean, that is danger zone. So while I feel really good about getting to 19, getting to 20 might not be as easy as, as we hope. Yeah, uh, it's hard to feel good about going into Chapel Hill and, and, and winning that game. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's still uh, – guys get hot from three and there's a chance. But, yeah, it's, uh, that's, that will be a tough one to predict ahead of time. So I think it's, it's – to me it's less about the night that the 20 wins in the overall as it is the 10, 10 ACC wins. So right now they sit 9-7. and seven. Yeah. And, you know, the, the 10th ACC win will give you 20 overall. But I think that's where – where they'll discount some of the some of the losses that Coach Beheim wasn't here for um, in the overall, and you know, losing to Georgetown and losing to St. John's, where they discount those games a little bit. And it's, you know, that's an awful St. John's team and a not very good Georgetown team that they lost to, and uh, and and so you can you can discount those a little bit, hopefully off the off the resume once the committee meets. And but the, the 10 ACC wins is really where it's going to be, and that, then it comes down to at Florida State. Now, fortunately, what happened with Florida State in the dome is we saw that that was a great matchup for Syracuse, and I'd like to think the same thing will happen down there. Historically, Syracuse has had pretty good success with Florida State since they moved to the ACC. And, you know, fingers crossed that the same thing happens down there. Uh, guys got to be making shots still, though. If they go cold from three, this team loser dies by it. Then we'll be uh, you know, nail-biting as it gets into the ACC tournament and then the selection Sunday. But the thing I'm worried about, you know, this team, if they, if they do lose to NC State and, and Florida State, and, you know, that puts them at... 19 and 12 and 9 and 9 ACC. Then you go into the ACC tournament game, almost with a must-win in the first round. Yeah. And right now they are tied for seventh in the ACC mm-hmm. with Clemson and only Pitt with Pitt only a half game back. And Syracuse hold, doesn't hold the tiebreaker against Clemson or Pitt, so that could put them potentially at a nine seed against either a Clemson or a Pitt. Who both beat us first round? And teams oh for three teams this that, year against you know, those two. Pittsburgh handled Syracuse legitimately twice, yeah. and and Clemson beat Syracuse pretty pretty convincingly the time they played. So those are not first round games that I'd want to see if I'm a Syracuse fan hoping for a uh, a one win to get them in the tournament. Yeah, North Carolina not doing us any favors by losing to Virginia yesterday either. Um, it's difficult to see them coming off a road loss and following that up with a home loss. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. So so it could really, really be. Uh, we could be in the danger zone when we head down to Florida State, and 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 I'd like to think we could take care of that one. But you know, with Roberson playing 14 minutes and Cooney going over everything, man, you never know with this team. You never know. So, um, all right. Well, let's move ahead now to our favorite uh, part of the show. It's time for Connor's Corner Trivia. Brad, what do you have this week for us for uh, some Q's trivia? Obscure. 
It is. I'm trying to think of uh, would would giving me the guy in NC State that you're thinking of give it away? It probably would. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I will eventually if you don't know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about and can't figure it out. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much am, am lost right now. I can't. I wouldn't know where to start. I mean, I, I'm running through a lot of uh, negative major bad losses over the careers. I think you know, <laughs> I'm thinking Vermont. I'm thinking Indiana. It wasn't a horrible loss, but it was one that that was it's a, one of the great games in Syracuse history that didn't didn't go our way. Maybe the uh, loss to Arkansas in Moton senior year. Um, uh, no, you have to go further back than that, but. Navy um, lost to Navy by the Pearls last game. Oh, not a bad guess, but no. I mean, those are some of the all-time worst yeah, losses. Actually, actually, very, very similar. Richmond uh, scenario. You just, you just outlined. Losing to Richmond. No, no. So Man, these are all poor. Pearls last game. Yeah. Um, think about Pearls last Big East game. Pearls last Big East game was against St. John's. Um, Pearl had the ball, went coast to coast in like six, five, six seconds, and was blocked by Walter Berry. And so that was the game. There's a guy in NC State right now that played yesterday, played considerable minutes yesterday. One of their one of their key guys, a freshman on that team, who has a connection to that game. A son of one of the former St. John's players, like Willie Glasser. That's correct. Keep keep thinking. Walter Berry, Mark Jackson, uh, Chris. You think about a guy who played a very key role in that game. Oh, Ron Rowan or Matt Brust? <laughs> Ron Rowan. Ron yeah. Rowan, okay. Ron Rowan's son is Maverick Rowan, played on NC State at, uh, at 10 points yesterday. Wow. Hit, hit two threes, just like his father, hitting threes against Syracuse. Yeah, seems that's, that's pretty Actually, interesting. He didn't, hit a, he didn't hit a three, but he made a two-point basket with eight seconds left. Did the announcer say that? Did the announcer say this is the son of Ron Rowan who played for St. John's at any time? Because I missed that if they did. No, I don't believe they did. Okay. And, and I picked up on it. I was like, I wonder if that's any connection to Ron Rowan. I mean, he, you know, he's a uh, you know, blonde-haired white guy that, you know, Red jersey. outside shooter. I, mm-hmm. I, just, I just thought, hey, maybe there's a connection there. And I pulled it up, and sure enough, son of Ron Rowan, former St. John's player. Well, nice work digging that one up. Yeah. So I, you know, I'm scarred by some of those games, and I think I have – no ability whatsoever to let them go. In that particular game, um, I just remember when Pearl was streaking down the court with time running out that I was 100% positive that he was going to score it and we were going to win. And then, you know, to see him blocked at the rim by, by Walter Berry was just like such a surprise and so shocking. I actually um, had some, you know, what were we, Brad? 13 uh, 12, years maybe. old, 12, 13 years old. 12, yeah. 13, yeah. Yeah, I spilled my uh, snacks that I was having and I made a mess and just kind of <laughs> fell to the floor in well, a slump. Well, as, as, as I was reading into it, and you know, after I made the connection and I was trying to uh, remembering that game a little bit more, I just I just Googled Ron Rowan Biggie's tournament. And New York Times had a great article, and I think it came out right around the very end of the demise of the Biggie's as we all knew it, of the last Biggie's tournament. And they had a, they had a great um, history of that of that particular game and they, you know I had interviewed Pearl and, and Walter Berry almost entirely but Ron Rowan was quoted several times in that article and it was just it was fun to relive that game and you know so there you're talking about Pearl's drive and Rowan made that shot with eight seconds and mm-hmm. Syracuse had no timeouts so they got it to Pearl and they quoted several guys on the St. John's team Berry being one that said um no actually it was Rowan rather and said I've never seen anybody go faster with the basketball than Pearl Washington did after he got that 
Like yeah. he was a freight train going down the court. And he wasn't, you and, know, even back then he wasn't like slender and thin. You know, he was still a little chunky, you know, but boy, that guy could move. No, but what everybody said was Pearl was faster with the ball than without. And, yeah. and, and you know, the, the principle of that's crazy in, in a sense. I mean, it was just where he where he focused his, his energy. But, mm-hmm. you know, you always tell your tell, tell your players, I tell my sixth graders, guys are guys are slower with the ball than without. You you as a defender have the advantage. If he's got the ball, he's going slower than you are. Yeah. Use it, you know, but not Pearl, boy. Pearl was, he got the ball in his hands and he was lightning. And then without the ball, he just sort of did, did, did Pearl things and, just, you know, was <laughs> sort of the, the – the, guy that looked like the guy down the street kind of guy so but that was the thing of, of Walter Berry when he blocked that shot they <laughs> Pearl's asked him several times since then how did how did you know how, how were you able to block that shot and Barry every time said because I knew exactly where you were going with it yeah right I was not going to pull up with a jump shot Pearl was going to go to the rim with that shot yeah. everybody Barry had seen him enough times they grew up together in the city mm-hmm. they, they Barry knew exactly what Pearl was going to do and Pearl did it and no, almost, almost, almost made it. I mean, that ball was close to going down, but Barry, Barry got it. Credit to him. Well, yeah, that that's uh, going on over thirty years ago now. Thirty-one years ago this weekend. Thirty-one. Yep. Hmm, that's apropos. So, um, is that we going solo oh, question sorry, this week? Thirty years ago. That's thirty years ago. It was eighty-six. You're absolutely right. Is um that was that was that was a little prelude to the trivia, but I got yeah. a, a couple other small ones. Okay. Um, who who on this team on this current Syracuse team has a double double? Okay. In the course of their career. Of their career, well, we know Roberson does, right? And we know Benajay does. Benajay does. And um, I think Richardson does. Malachi Richardson, I think he had one. Maybe I'm wrong. Harrison does not. Okay. Um, Cooney does not. Does not. Jeez, that's amazing. In all those nah, games. They, Cooney's never getting 10 assists in a game. Are you kidding? Yeah, but I was thinking, you know, rebounds. Maybe you get 10 rebounds every now and then. Cooney's not rebounding. He's getting run out so he can spot up in the corner and check yeah. up the three. Um, Leiden's got a double-double. Tyler Leiden. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um. Didn't Caleb Joseph have a big assist game? And I'm going to say no on that, no. Caleb Joseph does. He, he, he had did. one last year. Okay, I thought he had one really good game. I think that was that Villanova game that went overtime. He had 10 assists in that game. Okay. Maybe 10 and 10. And Coleman, no. Correct. Wow. You know, he played good. 35 minutes yesterday. You think yesterday he could have got one, but 7.7 rebounds, not quite enough. Yeah, um, yeah. And then who else on this team that might be potential? No, that's it. That's it. That is it. Those four guys. Hmm. Now, here's the crazy part: is only two of those guys have gotten double doubles this season. Leiden, or not Leiden? Yeah, Leiden and Roberson. Obviously, obviously Leiden. Leiden and Roberson. Yep. Benajay doesn't have a double double this season. You know, a guy running point hasn't had ten assists in a game. So I, I mean, no one on this team has had ten assists in a game this season. Let's like, just throw that out there. Yeah. Which, yeah. Benajay's not the classic point guard, so you sort of expect that. I mean, six assists yesterday, that's pretty good. I mean, that's probably at the high end of what he's capable of doing, I'd say. Or what he's inclined to do, anyway. I mean, he's, he's, he's more, of a, more of a shooter than he is he's a not, he's not only, yeah, what this team needs. When he's a big, who, who's he going to pass to that's going to score it, too, you know? It's like, <laughs> exactly. You know, that, Richardson, maybe. I mean, yeah. yeah. He's not going to dump it down to anybody, you know, posting up on the low block. So it's difficult for him to get assists. 
Um, Frank Howard next year, I think they'll have a few double double games with 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 ten plus assists. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, I think he can. He's he he looks for a shot, but probably not to the same degree. And uh, yeah, he's a guy that's a, you know can get into the lane and you know drive and kick and and you know find bigs on the on the opposite block. I think he's got a very good eye for for the angles. I think he takes a few too many chances this year, but he's learning. He's a freshman. That's sort of expected. You know, coming he does what you'd expect a freshman point guard to do, honestly, when he gets in the game. Another little tidbit from this week in news is. Coleman's coming back next year, you know. So Roberson and Coleman back next year. That's they they should both be double double candidates next year. Every single game in in, in, in out one of the two at least, you know. But uh, well, and and with uh, um, Pascal Chukwe, yeah, he should help help them out more too. Yeah, think about this. Now, I don't want to get too far, and we're running out of time here. But you know, next year's front line: Roberson, Coleman, who, um, you know, I, I, just another year. And you know, next year could be a really could be a breakout year for him. And then uh, Pasquale Chikwu and uh, and and you know, too bad, you know, Mustafa Diang maybe coming. I, I I don't know what his status of he is. His, he he came out this week, or his coach did, and you know, said he's still loyal to Syracuse. He, yeah. Opened up his recruiting a little bit, but I think Syracuse is still high on his list. It doesn't sound like he's he's going to leave this year. It may be another year yet, but um, you know, he, he's he's putting up good numbers in Florida at the junior college he's at. Could you see us going like to a lineup next year that includes those three big men I just mentioned: Roberson, Coleman, and um, Chikwu, if I'm even saying his name right, and Leiden at the top of the zone? Wow, <laughs> and Leiden. I don't know if Leiden. Leiden could play the two. I don't think offensive. I, 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 you wouldn't see as much penetration. You would need a, a very active point guard, and Frank Howard can potentially be that guy. Um, yeah, I don't know if I don't. That'd be I mean, if you do that, then you take Richardson out of the equation. True, unless you let Richardson run the point, and now all of a sudden you got the biggest team in the history of college basketball out there, and, and Leiden, you know, hanging out yeah. by the hash mark, hitting threes, maybe. But yeah, I mean, that probably wouldn't be something you'd see a lot. But it's interesting to think that it because it would be, I think it would be possible for Syracuse to do that. So it would. I, I, could, I could see them going with a big, you know, they they get a you know four or five point lead in the last thirty seconds, and 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 you get those bigs in, you know, and and and. You know, you, then you lock down on the rebounding, and I think that's yeah. that's that's a real option that this team has that they certainly don't have now. So, okay, we got about ten minutes in the show. We got a lot to to squeeze in here. Got another trivia for us? Uh, yeah, I got one more. Okay. Um, how many guys have scored more in a single game in the ACC, in ACC play, uh, or uh, and by an ACC team, not even an ACC play this season, um, than Michael Benjay had yesterday? How many other players scored 35 points or more? Than yep. you? Okay. Um, <clears throat> I know that uh, Johnson there for North Carolina did it. Yep, good call. He's got the most, 39 points he had. A crazy 39 and 23 rebound game against yeah, Florida State. Holy cow. Um, so that's, what, that's what we need from one of our guys next, uh, next Saturday. It's Cooney. No, Cooney never hit. Cooney had 30-something. Do you Cooney have thirty five this year? No. Yeah. Okay. I don't. I don't know if he's had more than thirty. He definitely the the, the list that I'm looking at goes as low as thirty three, and he's not on it. Yeah. I don't. Uh, I, I I would assume there's a couple more, but the only one I can remember is Johnson. 
I don't know if I saw it yesterday, did I? Well, you saw the guy that had it. Oh, for NC State? Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. It was just the same game. So, what the, what's the guy's name? Cat Barber. Yeah, Cat. I kind of call him Fat. <laughs> <laughs> fat Lever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, well, traditionally, uh, NC State. Cat Barber's the leading scorer in this league. That's one thing. Syracuse did a really nice job yesterday shutting him down. I mean, he was not a threat really at all. And and that's the guy as as you know when you think about NC State he's he's the guy and you know he mm-hmm. was ran a decent point but you know he was three for eight from the field you know he did most of his damage from the free throw line eight and nine but you know one of the top scorers in the ACC had only fifteen points that's the, that's the biggest reason Syracuse won this game that zone gave him fits yeah and hopefully that's the reason that we're gonna win a lot of games going forward here into the into March is because of that zone defense tightens down. Yep. So for right. the record Trevor Cooney's top game this season was twenty seven against Carolina. First time around. Yeah, must have been thinking he's got another one of them in him against Carolina on Monday. Yeah. I think I was flashing back to last year's game against Notre Dame where Cooney scored in the thirties, maybe. Right. Yeah. Right. That okay. was that was his I think top game as a Syracuse player was that Notre Dame game. All right, Brad, great trivia as usual. Let's kick it over now for two for the road. Um, home stretch is really a road stretch. Two on the road at UNC, at FSU. As usual, we want our predictions. I got. I have faith that we can play, against, you know, with a Bayheim team coach can play against anyone, anywhere, with any, no matter what our roster is. I have faith that, that we can compete. So, But law of averages... I'm going to chalk that one up as a loss, um, but I'm going to keep my fingers crossed. So that means at Florida State, and I think we win that game. I think we, I think it's actually we win that game kind of easily, um, and that would be twenty. That would put us at twenty and eleven heading into the ACC tournament. So, what is our record going to be, Brad, next week heading into the ACC tournament? It's going to be twenty eleven. I agree with you one hundred percent on what you just said. I, I, I do think that this team has the ability to give Carolina fits. It's just a tough place to win, and uh, yeah, I just don't see that this team has it really, unless they go lights out from three. Um, there's just a lot of athletes on that Carolina team, and from a, from that perspective, I don't know if Syracuse matches up. But anybody can get hot, and, and in a tight game, I do like our senior leadership, at least most of it, and that they can pull out a close one, but. Um, you got to get there first, and yeah, I, I I do think Carolina's got more horses. Florida State, like I said earlier, this is that's for whatever reason always been a good matchup for this team. Um, whether it's just Bayheim's got Leonard Hamilton's number, or it's just you know the the, the personnel and the athletes, it's just they're the, the the zone that gives Florida State fits. But that's a I think that's a ten to fifteen point Syracuse win down there, and uh, going in uh, going into the um, ACC tournament is probably a seven or eight seed. All right. Um, let's uh, last topic of the day. Two for the road here, um, and I mentioned it right off the top that I don't have the you know, almost Christmas morning like anticipation for March this year, um, and I didn't have it last year, obviously. You know, because Syracuse wasn't even in the tournament. But you would think that now, after a year off, coming back, and the whole reason I know. Is because you know the Big East not being in the Big East is a big part of it. I don't look forward to the ACC tournament, you know, really hardly at all. It's almost like I want to get it out of the way so we can get to the big tournament. Whereas I really 
just savored the Big East tournament. I'd miss work to watch the Big East tournament, you know. I would go home early from work to watch Syracuse in the Big East tournament, and then I would also look forward to watching every single game I could from the Big East tournament. And I don't absolutely that, even the playing games you'd, I'd, I'd watch. You know, the, all all teams that we love to watch, either to root for or root against. Yeah, and it would be the point where I was like, okay, you know, the Big East looks like they might be getting seven teams this year, but we need Seton Hall to win two in the Big East tournament. So now you're watching with a rooting interest, maybe. And, um, and again, I don't care. <laughs> I really don't care how many ACC teams make it. You know, the, the ACC will be – not much has changed. We've gone to the ACC. The Big East still may place more teams in the tournament year after year than the ACC. And the Big East has more teams at the top of the rankings than the ACC does. I mean, it's it's really kind of amazing – the ACC keeps pulling from the Big East basketball-wise, and the Big East keeps adding and, and exceeding expectations. Yeah, one of the best games of the season this year was the game here in Cincinnati this week, Xavier and Villanova, two top-five mm. teams. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you think of two top-five teams playing and in the city of Cincinnati, you would have all expected you know, Cincinnati in the Big East. That never happened. when <laughs> it, was, it, 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 it took Xavier to get in there, and that's a, become a better league. It's it, it, it's sad to watch I, I enjoy watching the watching the big east now probably as much as if, if, if i've got a free hour and there's a game on and say it's, it's the acc game or it's a big east game i'll probably watch the big east game i'm not even sure i care who's playing yeah no. yeah i agree with you there 100 percent. and um i think that's why it's and you know when we were saying we're gonna go to the acc or not you know and all that business um a lot of people would say to me, well, you're going to play North Carolina Duke Syracuse. It's going to be incredible. And, yeah, that, that'll be great, but that's just one or two times a year. Yeah, you also get to play Florida State and yeah. State and Wake Forest and Clemson. And you don't get to play Providence and Seton Hall and, and Georgetown and UConn. And you don't get to all get together at Madison Square Garden and – and, and and the biggest thing is I don't get to root for my conference mates because I really don't care about them at all. Uh, so it's really now it's all about Syracuse for me, and that yeah, has trickled down. Such a conference pride of hey, yeah. biggest you know base is always fighting against the ACC for that acclaim, and that's gone now. At least in our from our perspective. Yeah, it's trickled down to the point now where. Um, because I just am focused on how Syracuse does, that I really am less inclined to watch other college basketball games. Um, you know, yeah, it's funny you brought that up this week because I was thinking that exact same thing. I was out to dinner last night, and there was a there was a game on, and I I would admit I didn't have much interest in it. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it. I don't even remember who was playing, and usually I I would be able to sit down in my idle time and watch a game, and I don't do much of that anymore. And then, yeah, maybe it's the stage and different demands on your time, but. Yeah, it, it, I, I've probably become less of a, of a casual college basketball fan, and, and maybe it does have something to do with with this conference situation. I think it's hurt. So I think it's it's point. carried over to the entire country for the most part, though. This conference realignment stuff has really hurt the casual fans' interest because number one, it's harder to follow it all because you forget maybe who's where and and why and and the casual college basketball fan could care less about Syracuse Georgia Tech too where they would care a little bit about Syracuse Seton Hall. It, just, yeah, it hasn't created rivalries by any means. It's yeah. destroyed rivalries. Right. The right. biggest rivalries that existed uh, are no more. Uh, you know, even even some of the 
some of the other conferences, we've seen those rivalries get taken away, and and that's 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 the hard part to to stomach. You know, I, mm. West Virginia. Who does West Virginia have any rivalries with in the Big Twelve? You know, who does who does Cincinnati have any rivalries with in the in the conference? You know, whatever the, this the, a, yeah. the AAC, the American. You know, I mean, Temple. The, there, there are teams that are just sort of nomads. It seems like, and you know, they'll always hang their hat on Duke and Carolina. Fine, ESPN will cram it down our throats as much as they can, but that's kind of it. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I don't want to get too upset here. I got a full Sunday ahead of me, um, so I, so I don't want to talk about that too much more. And we are up against it, Brad. So thanks for spending the last hour with us. We'll come back next week, and it will be our ACC tournament preview. Hopefully, talking about at least one win. At least one win. Two wins would be great. And then um, following that, we're going to have our Selection Sunday special coming up here, and that's going to be great because we didn't do it even do it last year, right, because Syracuse wasn't even in it. So um, it, maybe I'll get more excited for March as we move ahead, but um, looking forward to uh, getting back with you next week and talking more Orange Hoops, Brad. Yeah, it'll be fun. March, March hits us next week, and that's the best time of the year we all know. So thanks, everybody, for joining us here on the Upstate Orange Podcast. We'll be back again next Sunday, uh, probably uh, probably Sunday morning, uh, with another edition of the Upstate Orange Podcast. Check out the live webcast schedule on FingerLakes1.com as we get towards the end of next week for the start time. You can subscribe to our feed on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, or via RSS, and we're online at FingerLakes1.tv slash Upstate Orange. So for... The Professor Brad Connor. I'm Jim Sinecropi. Have a great week. Beat UNC and let's go orange. <laughs> <laughs>